It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. As Joshua was ready to go into the land, that new land that God had promised them, God said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now listen to this. Have I not commanded you? It's a command to be strong. It's a command to be courageous. And here on Exploring the Word, we want to encourage you and equip you so that you can obey the Lord in that area. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be with you on Fire Away Friday. And, man, people are already calling in, and that number is 888-589-8840. We want to hear from you. Alex and I love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your question. So call in. Let us hear it. Alex, I just got a question for you. Where are you tonight? Oh, wow. Well, thanks, Bert. And isn't it great to be on Exploring the Word on Fireway Friday? I am in beautiful Virginia, uh, Midlothian, Virginia, which is kind of near Richmond. And I am at Swift Creek Presbyterian Church. This is 5900 Wool Ridge Road, Midlothian, Virginia, Swift Swift Creek Presbyterian.org. Very easy to find. And Bert, tonight about 6.30, we're going to be doing a conference, and I'll be speaking and teaching about biblical worldview and apologetics, which is how to understand and defend the Christian faith. So, folks, if you are near Midlothian, Virginia, Richmond, uh, come out to Swift Creek Presbyterian tonight. I surely would love to meet you. I am so glad you're there, and I tell those people I said hello, and I know it would be a great, great meeting. Uh, well, you know, one of the first things, I was coming up, and I got the uh, gear for the, the show out of the truck, and I was coming up, and they were greeting me, and they were like, how's Bert? Uh, <laughs> is, is Bert with you? And yeah. uh, it'd be great. And, uh, Bert, I want to say, everywhere I go, every weekend, people ask about you, and you are loved, my friend. And, uh, uh, you know, if I had the money, I would take Bert Harper with me everywhere <laughs> I go, because everybody wants to know how Bert is doing. Well, you— uh, I was just telling Devin, I said, Alex is fulfilling his calling, going, he does that. Um, I'm fulfilling my calling. I do interim work and just stay closer to home, not as gone as much as Alex. But we love to share the Word of God, and that's what we get to do on Exploring the Word. So today on Exploring the Word on Fire Away Friday, uh, we want to answer your question, your Bible questions, as best we can, if we can answer them. I, I, let me just give this before we start on. Some of the questions are going to be answered in heaven, or they're not going to be important up there, Alex, one or the other. Well, yeah, but it's fun true. to try to answer them, and that's what we're going to do. Are you ready to take those phone calls? I am ready. I want to say one thing. 24 hours ago, I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, down on the ocean, and Life Care Pregnancy Center, and there were more than 300 people that came out, and I got to teach about morality and and the sanctity of human life, and uh, saw so many people, Deborah Floyd, 
who leads that wonderful ministry. And I saw a dear friend of mine from the Billy Graham ministry, Herb McCarthy, 25 years he worked for Billy Graham. What a great man of God he is. And so many people came up and they came and I was able to share about our belief that human life is sacred. Everybody's made in the image of God. And so I thank everybody that gave us a great night last night in Wilmington and now in Virginia. But Bert, uh, I just want to testify and praise God. Sure, I love to preach the gospel and share the the message of salvation with lost people, but I think maybe part of how God uses me is to encourage the saints all over America. And Bert, aren't aren't we blessed? We are. uh, My spiritual gift is that of encouragement. I'm I'm a cheerleader. I had a guy come and I said, he said, I've been trying to figure out how you preach. And he said, you're a cheerleader. And you know, telling us, go on, and we want to cheer you on. Listen, Jesus stood when Stephen was, you know, being stoned. I, I, I got a feeling Jesus was watching him and encouraged, say, yes, son, yes. So we're saying, yes, be strong and courageous. Hey, we've got Mary online from Kansas. Mary, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, hi, I have actually two questions for you. Where do you find in the Bible what the Israelites, I know what they did. They, Their map was the, the cloud in the sky, and at night it was kind of like a fire cloud, what they watched, how they knew where to go, Moses leading them and everything. I just don't know where to find it. And then this morning, I gave you the wrong answer on uh, Rip Van Winkle, and I didn't get to hear the program. So give me how many years that man slept. <laughs> okay, Alex, let me go first with Rip Van Winkle. Now, that, okay. that's so funny. I was on Trivia Friday. Alex gets to be on those real, real serious shows, but hmm. they 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 stick me on Trivia Friday. Somebody said, "Bert, what a contrast from Trivia I, Friday!" I told everybody to, to t- tune in and listen. Yeah, I, I just enjoy it. But my question was, how long in Washington Irwin's uh, short story about Rip Van Winkle? How long did his nap last? And the answer is twenty years. And during that 20 years while he was sleeping, the revolutionary, American Revolutionary War took place. And so that's the answer, Mary, to that. I appreciate you calling in. Alex, uh, the Israelites, the pillar and the cloud, pillar of fire, that's... that's, Wasn't that in Exodus? It is in Exodus. Exodus 13, 21, 22 says, And the Lord went before them in a pillar of fire. You remember that? He did. Which... uh, I've always heard that that might have been like the Shekinah glory of God. I believe it um, was. When you look at it and you read it and how they describe it, the cloud, the uh, the fire, it, it sounds like that. I believe it is as well. Yeah, and, um, you know, it the, the, the pillar of fire and um, the cloud by day and the fire by night. And, you know, something not to spiritualize too much, but when we're going through darkness and and night, as it were, uh, we keep our eyes on the Lord, and he'll lead us as well. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Mary. Let's go to Colorado, one of our favorite states. Uh, and, Alex, you've lived out there. My One of my sons lives there, and uh, we go to Zachary in Colorado. Zachary, welcome. Hey, Bert. Alex, thank you so much for taking my call. This means a lot. Well, Good to hear from you. Thank you for calling, man. Uh, thank you. Well, um, the question I have for you really re- re- relates to ministry. This upcoming July will mark two years since I've become youth pastor at my local church here in town. And for the first time since I've taken over the youth ministry, um, this upcoming fall I will experience three young people that will be leaving 
to go on to college. And my question for you, too, is when we see young people leaving the faith, and by the way, the college they're going to is a very, uh, it's actually Bible school, but at the same time, you, you wonder, even as a youth pastor, did I really put enough time in? Did I really, the, the investment, did, did it really pay off? Do you have any thoughts on how you let go well when it comes to young Amen. people? and? How do you know you didn't miss it in the end? Oh, Zachary, mm. I, I just want to say praise, praise God. God. Thank God for you. You're doing what you're doing. Now, I was youth minister way back there, but I've been youth minister. Sherry, who is answering the phone and you've talked to, was one of my youth. I'm uh, that's Really? I'm, yes, she is. There's about two Amen. or three here. But let me share what, yes, I, am, I put in, this is before apologetics ever became a part of the Christian uh mode of operation i mean i i i did my best to equip them but what i would do zachary when they were getting ready to get out of graduation and go to college we had a big meeting and we would feed them i would share with them and i'd say i it's like i want you to know i've done everything i could to to equip you to be ready and and we'd talk about the questions, the real possibility of questions that, that they would face. And I, I'd do everything I could to pour into them. And then I would write ahead and and talk to the uh, the uh, the Christian organizations on the schools and colleges that they were going to. And I would tell them that, hey, I've got some young people coming your way. I've I've suggested and asked them to find you. But would you find them? I did everything I could to make that gap and hand off the baton in doing it well. Alex, what would you suggest? Well, uh, God bless you, Zachary, for being in youth ministry, and I just commend you. Um, Do you know, uh, it was funny, this morning when I was doing uh, AFR radio, um, we were talking about having a service where you kind of— a father-son or or men and boys service where you say, look, you know, you're a young man now, and, and we're going to pray over you and a blessing service. And I think it's really good, especially for youth going off to college, the the youth that have been in your ministry and you've mentored, to have almost like a commissioning service, Bert, and say, look, we acknowledge you're entering a new season of your walk with the Lord. You're going to be salt and light on that campus. We're going to pray over you. And I think Bert, some of these milestones, almost like a you know, well, you're laying hands, you're you're affirming the work God has done in their life, a commissioning service for high school graduates, for your your college students. I think that's very appropriate, and let them have kind of a reminder of this moment. But now let me say one more thing, Bert. Uh, some churches I know are doing what they might call a biblical literacy test, almost like an exit interview for your youth. Now, you hope they're going to stay connected to your church. And I want to say this doesn't have to be like uh, a thing to melt your brain, but almost a Christian knowledge aptitude test and make it multiple choice. But some of these, and I've seen several churches that will have like maybe 25 or 50 questions that as you leave our youth ministry, look, who wrote the first four books of the New Testament? You know, uh, what two Old Testament books are named for women? Esther and Ruth, you know. Um, what is the gospel, the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Um, you know, who gave God's Ten Commandments? Well, Moses. So, Bert, um, 
Listen, you know, I got to tell you, youth ministry, Sunday school, uh, youth ministry, student ministry, it's not just, you know, pizza and paintball and games. And I think it would be very appropriate as you have kind of this last season of your time with them to have some measurable outcomes, you know. Uh, can you tell me the, the time that you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? You know, um, you know, who was the wisest man in the Bible? King Solomon. Bert, would it be okay if we in our Sunday school and youth ministry even had kind of a biblical literacy standards that we aimed for? I believe that too, Alex. And what you do, uh, I, when I was teaching and pastoring in the church I was in, I'd say in that preschool, what you're doing, you want to get them to understand the attributes and the characteristics of God, that God is good, God is kind, He is holy, He is just. And you say, well, you can't, you, yes, you can. You teach them. And, and then you even use the Bible stories in the children's department. Put those Bible stories in there. And then when they get into the youth department, start applying them to their lives. Now, what does it mean to, for Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice? Go into what that means. That means almost what we talked about yesterday about giving you 100%, giving what you have and surrendering it, and put that and let that be a part. But I want to just tell you what you just said. You got to know the Bible stories before you can begin to apply them. You under, you know, exactly. And, and so I mean, it takes both. Yes. Well, if if you said, you know, who is the bride of Christ? That's the church. You know, who did the Lord speak to from the burning bush? Moses. Your your kids ought to be able to answer these in a heartbeat. Amen. Uh, Zachary, you've been talking to two former youth guys. And that's why you got such a long answer. But we're praying for you. But Alex and I will be back right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michael Missal, Inspector General of the Department of Veterans Affairs. His office conducts investigations, audits, inspections, and evaluations to promote economy and efficiency in VA programs. John 6:12 reminds us not to be wasteful with our resources. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Missile as he works to ensure efficiency in the programs for our veterans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. When Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he was teaching us to depend on the Father as our single source. But Dr. Tony Evans says God isn't the only one offering us a meal plan. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The devil wants to cook for you. He's got a culinary cuisine program with your name on it. How do I know that? Because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the devil told Jesus, turn these stones into bread. 
Jesus, you've been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. You know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. And I have an Operation Bread Basket food program with your name on it. Now, if the devil will do that to the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ, you know he's got a meal plan for you. He says, turn these stones into bread. Since you are the son of God. So he's saying to you and me, since you are a child of God. I have a job for you. I have a way you can make money. I have a way you can get some bread if you just hook up with me and my posse. But what did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What does he mean? He's saying you don't only go for the bread, you go for the source that provided it. Just because it's money doesn't mean it's money that you should be handling. Just because it's a job doesn't mean it's the opportunity for you to take advantage of. Is the devil providing it or is the God providing it? Because if the devil provides it, then he can lay claim on what happens to it. Learn more about how God's will can be done on earth and in you. Check out Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. And then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper. And as Bert said earlier in the show, like Ephesians 6.10 says, we do want you to stand strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in His might. And exploring the Word as we go through Scripture every day and doing our best to answer Bible questions, we all together for Jesus and in Christ, we want to stand strong. Well, the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And uh, Bert and uh, Devin, where shall we go next? Let's go to Mike in Arkansas. Mike, welcome. Oh, yes, guys. I, I just love you guys. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you right now. Um, oh, thank there's you. There's uh, a couple of passages that I've been hearing some confusion just recent years, and I now I'm confused on them. I'm not sure. But there in uh, Luke 17, uh talks about in the days of Noah, and like the days of Noah, like Sodom and Gomorrah, and even in Matthew, it talks about the two women grinding at the wheel, and then the two in the field, one taken, one left. And now, I've always hear this talked as uh, like one of the rapture verses. And then, you know, Adrian Rogers has done messages like that uh, in the days of Noah. But anyway, so now in recent years, I'm hearing that's not uh, rapture verses. That is uh, second coming verses. And I just was confused there. Okay, Mike, thank you. I want to just tell you, Mike, my journey has been along yours as well. Because when you read one taken and one left, it gives you that impression of the rapture. When you look at the whole thing of the second coming, the kingdom of God, does it, it, it sets it in a different format, a little bit different format. Alex, have you taken that journey, and have you come to a landing on that? 
Yeah. And, you know, let me just say, I understand because, you know, um, in, in those passages where Jesus talks about as it was in the days of Noah, one of these is Luke 17. So it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, given in marriage. Uh, now, let me say this. All true Christians agree that the Lord is coming back. Jesus will literally return. And, you know, within that, there have been uh, what sometimes is called premillennialism, where there's rapture, tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, the, the return, uh, millennium, new heavens, new earth. And then there are other people who say, well, you know, um, there's not going to be this catching away in the clouds, but Jesus comes back and ushers in eternity. And, you know, to be fair, uh, there's so many passages from Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation to much in the Gospels and a lot in the New Testament that talks about the, uh, the end of time that, honestly, I don't know that everybody has every single detail right. I, I do think that the... Um, you know, two grinding in the mill and one is gone, and, uh, you know, two lying in the bed and one is gone. I think that refers to the rapture. I do. And then, of course, First Thessalonians 4 talks about how um, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, meet the Lord in the air. Um, we who are alive and remain will meet him in the clouds. Bert, you know, I read all these passages, and I, I strongly lean toward what's sometimes called premillennial dispensationalism, rapture, tribulation, and so forth. But here's the point of orthodoxy, that Christ is going to return, and we'll, those who know the Lord will be ready, and those who don't and the evil fallen world systems will be judged um, will be without Christ. Bert, there was InterVarsity several years ago. IVP did a thing on four views on Revelation, and then there have been um, several, like, uh, four views on the end times. But the point on which we all agree is that Christ is coming back. And I, I would encourage people, and, you know, take this for what it's worth, don't sweat over the, the, the minutia, because it's the future. No, the only one who definitively knows the future is God. And we, I don't think we should burn bridges over the future, uh, over eschatology. I, I certainly don't think we should break fellowship because we all agree Christ is coming back. Um, within the church, there are several different models of how to understand all the eschatological passages. But, um, Bert, I don't think we can be too, too, too dogmatic about the future because it hasn't gotten here yet. I agree with you. And, and we've just talked about it's called eschatology. Uh, have some grace there with people that you may not agree with. Let me just share this with you. Here's the, here's the confidence that I have. Regardless of tribulation, regardless of millennial, regardless, the promise that God says, I, after you come to Christ and you really know him, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Just a quick answer, Alex. Is that good anywhere, anytime, anyplace? Amen. It Amen. is. That's, and so yeah. that's the assurance we have. The assurance is not us knowing the timeline. I, I just want to make sure you know that. Yes, I'm I'm with Alex. I lean that way as well. But at the same time, my assurance is not in my timeline. 
My assurance is my relationship with Christ that I know happened to me when I was a 12-year-old boy. Jesus changed my life even as a 12-year-old boy. He put me in a whole different direction, and, and he's, he, he will stay with me through it all. That's the assurance, and that's what you take into it and know. Not to know the minutia. Alex, great answer. I appreciate that. Mike, we hope that helps. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Leroy. Leroy, welcome. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. I just have a comment and then a question. Uh, my comment is on the uh, new Supreme Court nominee, and mm-hmm. it seems to me that that is this part of a plan. First, you have after the ball where you ingratiate gay people to the on TV, and and then you have the uh, uh, marriage, and then you have the uh, definition of sex change, and then you have kids in the public schools being groomed, and then next you get a judge that's lenient on pedophiles. But my uh, my question is, um, there have been introduced in the pulpit of my church certain different uh, uh, references, and I was wondering if, uh, if you're familiar with the book The Harlot by the Side of the Road, Forbidden, forbidden uh, tales of the Bible, and then another one, um, King David, the real life of the man who rules Israel, and it's by the same author. His name is Jonathan Kurtz, uh, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-K-E-R-S-H, and it's like reading a, it's like a, uh, uh, the the best I can explain it is it's like a blow my, all the little dirty things you want to know about the Bible okay. that yeah. you were never told. Okay. Leroy, thank you, man. And we, what we're doing, we're praying. God, um, we're living in your times. This doesn't take you by surprise. Whoever's nominated, we try to do what's right. We try to deal with truth. And when that truth is that of a person not being qualified, we voice it. We do that, but we trust God. He is sovereign. We're going to trust him. Alex, are you familiar with these books or this author? Uh, yeah, I, I am. And um, let me say, there are stories in the Old Testament of violence and killing and uh, stories that are kind of salacious, you know, about everything from Rahab to Onan and different things like that. And um, there have been writers that kind of like said, um, here's some things that you that are in the Bible that you probably have never heard your pastor preach on. And it was published by Ballantyne, which is a fairly reputable publisher. So so here's my point, because the caller really has kind of a two-part question. Um, I don't have a problem with books and commentaries that go uh, into all the stories of, uh, goodness, Tamar. And Bert, you know, I mean, there's some pretty pretty <laughs> surprising yeah. eyebrow-raising stories in the Old Testament. There is. Let, let me tell you why um, I think it's good that there are books like this that bring things out. It says forbidden tales of the Bible. They're not forbidden. They're just people don't ever talk about them too much. Here's the thing, though. The Bible has the human condition warts and all. It's been said that the Bible is not a book that man would write if he could or could write if he would. Because, look, Bert, I've had skeptics say to me, they'll say, well, the Old Testament is just pro-Zionist, pro-Jewish, nationalistic propaganda. 
false. If you were going to write about the greatest king of Israel, King David, you probably would have left out the Bathsheba incident, right? You would have. If you were going to write about Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, you'd probably leave out the thousand concubines, and you'd leave out the Babylonian captivity, and the um, so-called, you know, forbidden tales about Tamar and things Abraham did, I think the fact that God leaves in, I mean, warts and all, shows the authenticity of the Bible. It is not a book any human would have written. Would you agree? I agree. And there's what you have in those stories is truth. And it also demonstrates where sin will take you. It demonstrates those things. Uh, Paul said they were written for our examples. Not all the examples are good. Some of the most effective examples that I've looked at and saw in my life and others is those that were not so good. So God takes all those things and he works them for good. And so, yes, uh, praise the Lord. And let me say one thing quickly here. And by the way, folks, this is Exploring the Word with uh, Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. And our number is 888-589-8840. The caller mentioned about uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, who's being nominated for the Supreme Court. And uh, by the way, I, and I'll, this show is not a political show, but I, I do want to say something here, folks. Imagine you had a company that sold beef, and you're, you're trying to hire people for the board of directors for the leading meat-producing company in America. And you say to somebody, well, here's somebody I want to bring on our board of directors. And by the way, they're a vegetarian. Well, it'd be hard for a vegetarian to be on the board of directors of a company that sold beef, right? Let me think of another analogy. Let's say you've got a company that makes automobiles, and you're committed to the internal combustion engine. And you say, well, I want to put on our governing board somebody who believes only in bicycles and travel by foot. Uh, this person doesn't believe in electric, I mean, uh, gasoline engines, you know. Uh, here's my point. When uh, Ms. Uh, Brown Jackson was asked, what is a woman? She said, I can't define that. I don't know what a woman is. Uh, that reflects that she doesn't believe in what we call natural law. And that is the foundation of our, of our Declaration, Constitution, and Bill of Rights. And so for those conservative constitutionalists like myself, that we, we know there is absolute truth-based um, governing, and then there's progressive case law, fluid, revisionist, socialist governing. And part of the reason I think conservatives are opposing her is because her philosophy is not compatible with American government. Now, um, Manchin, you know, who oppo- he opposed the Build Back Better vision, the multi-trillion-dollar spending plan, and now he says he supports it. And you know, it's sad, Joe Manchin, who I was hopeful that he was a man of principle. Now he says he will vote for this nominee. And Bert, I'll hush my little sermon here, but um, no harm, no foul. I have no ill will whatsoever against anybody. But here's the thing. Um, 
we need Supreme Court justices that believe not only in our Constitution, not only in the, the will and welfare of the American people, but actually have a philosophy compatible with how our government and judiciary works. And progressive liberals, um, it, I mean, you might as well put vegetarians on the board of a beef company. I mean, it's not apples and apples. That's right. Let's let me share this. We go to the next caller. When that question was asked, uh, what is a woman? She answered it, and she didn't know it. Do you know that, Alex? I'm not yeah. a biologist. So she was saying biology tells us. Biology tells you what a man is and what a woman is. So she answered it not knowing she was answering it. You catch? It, well, exactly, that's how exactly. That's how foolish, and it is foolish. Okay, enough of that. We go back to Texas and talk to Bill. Bill, welcome. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, taking my call today. I'm calling about uh, my concern that uh, in my in the pulpit we're not we're not delineating uh, delineating what uh, sin is anymore. You know, I, I know, and I don't understand that. I, I, how how do we know what to correct in our behavior if we don't know that we've done something wrong? Okay, Bill. Do you guys have any thoughts I, on that? I do. Let me just listen. If you take the preachers, teachers taking the scripture. What does the scripture say? Uh, you're you're not browbeating anyone. You're just telling what the scripture says, and we refer to this all the time. Read the book of Romans, chapter one. Read First Corinthians, and read all of those. And and Paul names many of those sins, and so we don't have to dig it up, Alex. We don't have to pretend. We just need to go to scriptures, and and. Say what the scriptures say. It it stands on its own, doesn't it? It, it really does. Um, you know, Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the result of sin is death. And the Lord Jesus in Matthew five twenty nine, I mean, how serious is sin? Is sin significant? Well, Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Isn't that something? And then, of course, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 says, Do not be deceived. Uh, and it lists all these sins, sexual immorality, idolatry, and yes, one of the sins in Paul's grocery list that will keep you out of heaven is homosexuality. So we need to preach it against sin and help people know how they can turn away from it. He will deliver you, and he's in the deliverance ministries. And praise the Lord. We're going to come back with more of your questions right after this break. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. This is Frank Effney, host of Secure Freedom Radio. It's your personal daily intelligence briefing about the challenges we face, how they're likely to affect you, and what we can do about them. You can find Secure Freedom Radio here every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in to learn from our extraordinary experts what you need to know and will want to share. Join us for Secure Freedom Radio tonight at 11 Eastern, right here on AFR. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, what is your title? 
the director of AFA Foundation. One of the best ways you can have income for the rest of your life and know that uh, you will be supporting the ministry of American Family Association is to... To give a gift to American Family Association and American Family Radio. Do you also deal with people who want to leave AFA in their wills? Yes, sir. That's exactly why they call. And that's why we also have another option besides a charitable gift annuity. People sometimes also call and do an outright gift or also leave us in their will. Now, when anyone calls in and asks to talk to you, ladies, will all of them talk in a Southern accent like you do? Yes, they will. Call Riley Wildman at the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit afafoundation.net. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A generation has been taught they descend from animals, that there is no God. They've been taught they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. They have no purpose, and life has no meaning. Life's meaninglessness has been punctuated for them by the 60 million children who've been slaughtered in the womb and counting. But society is shocked when they act out exactly as they have been taught, like animals with no conscience. Respect for human life begins with respect for the life giver. America needs repentance. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart and you welcome me with open arms just as I Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and we're going to start off this segment with prayer. Um, Devin and I talked about it yesterday, wanting to pray for Dan Celia. He is a dear friend of ours, and we had a caller coming reminding us that we need to pray for Dan. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he has been with AFR for so many years, financial issues, dealing with that, and he's been such a blessing. He's been on the AFA board of directors, just a great blessing. Matter of fact, he and I served together on that board for some years. And uh, so we're going to pray for Dan right now. And this is a nationwide prayer time. So let's bombard heaven right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray for Dan. I know he's been in the hospital now for weeks. And Father, the ministry said and asked all of the people who love Dan to pray for him in his healing Wednesday pray for the doctors and nurses yesterday and today was praying for the family that they would uh, have strength and God would be with them. And Father, we're praying that you would touch his life, give those nurses, the doctors, that hospital, whatever is needed to be done to raise him up. We desire him to be raised up. Father, with Paul, he said, it's, it's to my gain to go on. It's far better for you to stay, for me to stay. And Father, for us here at AFR, it's far better for Dan Celia to stay with us and the direction mm. he helps with us so much in finances and in every way. So, Father, touch his life, be with Yvonne, be with his family, and God touch their lives and raise him up in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Whoever Amen. that caller yeah. was that said and reminded us to do that, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I, I do appreciate that so much. Let's go to Virginia yeah. and talk to Kevin. Kevin, welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. Good. Good to have you. Uh, I go to a lot of different churches, and one thing that I do is I try to let one church know what another church is doing that works well, and I usually get along pretty good with most of the stuff, but I I try to push the jonathanproject.org, which is to get your church membership registered to vote. Um, you go to talk to a lot of people at churches, and I think it's terrible what the people are in the government are doing, but they they don't vote. They aren't registered. And I know that there's scriptural reference in there somewhere that says we're responsible for the government we create. But I don't know where it is. Okay, Kevin, thank you. Thank you so much. Alex, what was the name of the book? I think you had its author on your pro, on a program about Jesus is involved in politics. Oh, yes, a brilliant Indian. Uh, well, he was of Indian extract, but he became an American citizen. Neil Mammon, M-A-M-M-E-N, Neil Mammon. He's probably listening right now. Brilliant, brilliant man in a lot of ways. But he wrote a book called Jesus Is Involved in Politics. And so, um, you know, I, I really do believe that it's a civic duty. I believe uh, we're blessed to have this right. And, Bert, you know, Romans uh, chapter 13, 1 through 7, especially Romans 13, 2, talks about that Christians are um, obligated to obey the laws of the land, you know. And so being a good steward, we uh, I would in, encourage him to read Romans 13, 1 through 7. And... Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's a stewardship issue. Um, much more could be said, but um, Jeremiah 22, verse 3, says that we are to do what is just and right. Uh, Micah 6, 8, says that we are to act justly and love mercy. And so, Bert, we in America have this unique opportunity to participate in the, the direction of the nation. And I, I really think that, that we ought not we shouldn't just say, well, I'm not going to vote. No, we we Christians, we have a, a role to play, and we take our biblical viewpoint into the voting booth. We do, and especially in America. Let me see. I think it's a double meaning in America because if you remember, our Constitution starts out, we the people, and we're part of that people. So that demands stewardships. And then when you combine that with what Alex has just said, it is doubly important that we be involved, register, not only just go vote. How about running? Our friend David Lane does conferences all over America, getting godly men, even pastors, running for office and doing. Our friend Mike Huckabee, Governor Huckabee, he was a pastor, yes. and God just worked in his heart and, and became effective in so many ways and expressing those thoughts about believers being involved. So, Kevin, keep visiting, keep encouraging them, and uh, pray that that ministry would go well. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Benjamin. Benjamin, welcome. Hello, how are y'all doing today? Doing well. Good. 
I enjoy y'all's service and all of AFR. God, God bless you all. My question is, I've heard it my entire life about when Christ died on the cross, he entered into hell and uh, took the keys of hell. Is that in the Bible, or is that just man's belief? And if it is in the Bible, where is it at? Okay, Benjamin, thank you. Thank you so much. Just remember this, and I'll set it up and throw it to Alex. Uh, the place of departed spirits, the Hades. Uh, if you read Luke, uh, Luke chapter 16, you'll see that uh, there it was two compartments during that period of time. Uh, it was called Abraham's bosom in that particular section. And in hell or in the place of torment, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Lazarus uh, being comforted. And, and Jesus, it says later on, is it Ephesians or Peter? Anyway, he went and preached to those in captivity and led captivity captive. Now, Alex and the keys are somewhere. I forgot exactly where that is. You, you do better at all this than I do about locating. But, yes, there's some scriptural evidence. But don't let he went to hell uh, be uh, something that throws you off. He uh, he went to the place of departed spirits and preached to those uh, Old Testament saints and brought them out, and I think he took them to glory with him. Alex, what would you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. Well, and thanks for listening, brother. And l- let me say this about what Jesus did. Once he expired on the cross and he yielded up his spirit, he entered into the realm of the dead. And, you know, um, you'll hear old theologians from times past say he spoiled the grave. In other words, as Ephesians says, he led captivity captive. Now, First Peter three says that First Peter three nineteen through twenty says Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient. Now, here's what uh, I think it's important to point out: that um, Psalm sixteen ten is a prophecy. It says, "Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor will suffer thy holy one to see corruption." Now, Psalm sixteen ten is also quoted in it in Acts 2.27. Now, here's the point. In the Old King James, it says that uh, the soul of the Messiah would not be left in hell. But really, the wording is in the realm of the dead, in Sheol, or the grave. Now, I know the King James renders it hell. And, Bert, I was told when I was little that the way Jesus paid our sins was he suffered in hell. That's really not how the atonement was achieved. The atonement, the wrath of God that we deserved, was poured on Jesus, and he suffered on the cross. Now, it was on the cross that the purchase of our forgiveness was, was achieved. Jesus did not, quote, burn in hell. He didn't have to do that. He was pervasively, thoroughly righteous. What he did do, uh, he entered the realm of the dead the grave. And uh, he did two things. To the Old Testament saints, the believing saints that were in a place called paradise, they were taken to heaven. But to the Old Testament saints that were in Hades, the place of punishment, there was a proclamation of, of condemnation. So he did not, Psalm 1610, Acts 227, he did not stay in the realm of the dead, but First Peter three nineteen through 20, he did preach to the spirits in prison but, Bert, I, I think it's um, important to note that Christ, for our forgiveness, did not, uh, when the, the King James renders that Psalm 1610, hell, 
doesn't mean Jesus was in the fires of hell, but it does mean that after dying on the cross, paying for our sins, he entered the realm of the dead. But he didn't stay there, of course. He rose on the third day, and we celebrate that resurrection, that victory over the grave ever since. And that is the reason on the cross Jesus could shout the words, it is finished. He didn't go to have to go to hell, burn there to be punished. He did it on the cross, and he rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father, And there he is at the right hand making intercession for those of us who have following him as Savior and Lord. Uh, Benjamin, we hope that helps, and praise the Lord for your question. Let's go to Oregon and talk to Chris. Chris, welcome. Ah, Thank you. Um, I did have a question. I've heard it over the years being in church that um, Hebrews 4.12, when it says the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, that that's referring to the Bible or the scriptures. But when I look at uh, verses 13, 14, and 15, I kind of get the impression that that's referring to the actual person of Jesus Christ as the Word of God. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Okay, great question. Listen, if you you find a, a passage and you look at the Word... You notice the word is is in the lowercase, not the uppercase, uppercase. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper. Uh, Alex, the word of God, but they're both referring to Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the word, but he uses the word through the Holy Spirit to do this work that uh, verse 12 talks about, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And and by the way, you make a great uh, point there. Now, the word there in Hebrews 4.12 is the word logos. The Word of God is alive, and Jesus is the Word. You know, John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. So, um, I, you know, I think it's both and, but it, you read the Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is uh, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, verse 13 that you reference says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. You know, Bert, there's a lot we could say. Um, The Bible is the written revelation of God. Jesus the Son is the living revelation of God. They're always in agreement. That's, That's why, you know, Bert, whenever anybody says, well, you know, they've got some modern idea that contradicts Scripture, listen, friend, if something is truly from the Lord, it will be in harmony with the written Word of God. God will never contradict the Bible. And so it's both and. I think Hebrews 4.12 refers to Scripture. Hebrews 4.13 talks about Jesus, who is fully God, full deity. And God the Spirit, God the Son, God the Father are always uh, in affirmation and agreement with uh, God's written Word, the Bible. Yes. Uh Chris, let me give you this, and this is just really when you look at the Old Testament prophets and, and they talk about the age and the Messiah coming, right in the same passage there, you'll have one talk about him coming the first time as a babe, as born of the virgin, but the next verse, it will be him being on the throne during the reign of Christ, and they're, and they're intermingled there. To let you see, it was so so precise, and a lot of folks thought they must be two messiahs. No, they work together, and I think that is a word picture of what you see here in verse 12 and 13, the Word of God, the written Word of God, but also Jesus Christ, 
the Logos of God working together in there as one. Thank you for your good call. Let's go to, uh, yes, let's go to Indiana and talk to Pat. Pat, welcome. Oh, thank you for taking my call today. Uh, my question is about uh, the the first writer in Revelations uh, on the pale horse. Uh, he he comes and destroys and kills. And uh, would that be Satan maybe riding that horse? Because in the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes back on a white horse. And uh, is there is there is, would that be him trying to be a counterfeit of? Uh, Christ. Okay. Uh, Pat, let me share. When you see the four horsemen of the apocalypse and you see all the different ones, uh, each one of those brings certain judgments, don't they, Alex? They, they really do. And, you know, um, there's a very famous painting of the, the four horses of the apocalypse. And whenever I go up to, to Andrew Womack's at Karis Bible College, he has got the original. Bert, I know you've seen this, the heads thrown back and snorting, very famous picture right. of those yes. four horses. And he, and the original is up there in Colorado. But, okay, John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he gets this vision from God. Okay, there is the white horse with a rider who conquers the earth, uh, running all over the earth. And the rider on this white horse um, is also from Daniel 8, 24, and it's, it's the Antichrist. Now, when Jesus, the true Christ, Messiah, Savior, comes back, he's going to come back on a white horse. But this rider, uh, the first rider on this pale horse, uh, subdues the earth. The second rider is on a red horse, the horse of, of war. Third horse is a black horse of famine and a global food shortage. And uh, the Antichrist subdues, and he's this one on, on this pale horse and the fourth horse, uh, the pale horse, is the horse of death. Right. Uh, it's interesting. The, the Greek word is chloros, um, you know, which uh, really means green. Um, well, we're almost out of time. But let me say this. The first white horse is not Jesus. The final white horse rider, Christ returning at Armageddon, that's our Savior. And something about having his name written on him, I'm telling you what, it's going to He's be He's got glorious. a vesture that says King of Kings. <laughs> Amen. And that's who we serve. Alex, it's been good to be with you today, and look forward. I hope it goes great tonight up there in Virginia. Yeah, Swift Creek Presbyterian Church. If you're in the Midlothian, Richmond area, come on out, 6.30 p.m. Hey, you know, isn't it great we can go to church? And I would encourage you to be in the house of God on Sunday. Amen. Tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody about AFR and live your life standing strong for the gospel. God bless you.